Hello and welcome to Humans in Extremes. My name is Heather Massey and in this podcast we'll be chatting to people who've worked and lived in extreme or challenging environments. Our guest today is Wendy Treu, a Jersey lady born and bred. She's a long distance swimmer with a number of achievements behind her. She's a double channel swimmer, that's swimming from England to France and back again, a member of the 24 hour club and winner of the Gertrude Erdely Award. Welcome, Wendy. Hi, Heather. Thank you very much for taking part in this podcast. Can I just ask you a few questions about your long distance swimming? So, what is long distance swimming and how do you get involved? Okay, well, apparently a long distance swim is considered anything over 10 kilometres. Well, that's a marathon swim, they call it. Um, how do you get involved? Well, there's all sorts of ways. Um, for me, I uh, was a competitive swimmer as a child. And at the very young age of seven, I saw that a couple of people had swum the channel and said, one day I want to do that. It took me till I was 35 to take up proper open water swimming. I'd done a few short swims in Jersey, but yeah, I just joined up with a local swimming club over here. So what happened at the age of 35 to make you want to to get into open water swimming? It just felt like that was the right time in my life to to do it. Um, You know, I'd sort of gone through my teenage years and, you know, I'd done the going out, partying and I'd got married, settled down, and I was happy with where I was living in my house. I was just quite settled with my life at that stage. And I now found that I had the time to sort of go out and fulfill my dream, my childhood dream, because I always knew that doing a marathon swim or my my ambition, as I said, was a channel swim, took a huge amount of commitment um, and you know, uh, not being disrespectful to anybody in any other sport, but our training for marathon swims is significantly longer uh, than maybe some other challenges that you might do uh, before you can even attempt to swim. You've got like six hours qualifying swim to do. So you've got a lot of building up to do. It's a lot of time out of the house and you need a lot of support behind you. Wow. Yeah, definitely. So you you touched on the training there, but surely the water's quite cold. Yeah, it's cold, Heather, um, but you build up. So if I go back to 2006 when I was training for my first channel swim and I'd spent the winter in the pool and I was chomping at the bit to get in the sea, living in Jersey, I'm very lucky. I've got lots of water around me all the time, not too far from home. And it was actually May the 9th. So we're going back 14 years almost to the day. And it was very windy, wet day. And I thought, I've just got to bite the bullet and have a go. Um, And I went in the water with another swimmer because you never go alone. And uh, I did 10 minutes, 10 minutes. That was it. And I was absolutely delighted with my achievement and then gradually built up and built up. And I remember that swim really well. You never forget your first open water swim. I came out, it was raining, I got dressed in the rain, I was shivering, I was cold, and it took me quite a long time to warm up. And today, I can go in the water for up to four hours at 11, 12 degrees, and that's what the temperature was back then. So you just have to gradually, over time, build up, build up, keep going. And if you keep going all year round, if you can, it doesn't have to be a long time, 
your body will acclimatise and over time you'll become more and more used to it and you will get longer in the water. You have to be really in tune with your body though because if you're not, you can very easily switch into the danger zone and hypothermia and everything can set in. So you have to be very sensible and always go with a friend so that you know one another and can help one another in the water. That's really sensible advice. Thank you. Um, take me back to that first cold water swim that, that you undertook. How? What happened to you um, when you got in the water? What physically happened to you uh, as you were getting in the water? And how, do you, how did you cope with it subsequently? Yeah, so I was scared, Heather. I was uh, very, very um, anxious. Uh, apprehensive about what I was letting myself in for, not just about that swim, but the enormity of the challenge that I was about to take on as well. And this was like my first step into open water. And um, I, I'd been briefed about what to expect and everything. So I knew that when I got in the water, it would probably take my breath away. I'd been taught how to regulate my breathing once I get in, to try not to panic, because that's a natural thing to do if you can't catch your breath. So um I didn't dive in you never dive into cold water I went in gradually off a slip um got sort of to waist and just under your chest height sort of got myself relatively comfortable and then I glided in the water trying to do head up breaststroke but it was pretty choppy so I got a few smacks in the face and yet the the water the temperature took my breath away it's almost like you're hyperventilating but you almost have to Breathe in deeply and blow out as if you're blowing into a brown paper bag or you're trying to blow a candle out. If you can do that for two minutes and deal with the cold, you will begin to regulate your breathing. Once you can regulate your breathing, still head up breaststroke, probably just above my nose. Then as I feel more comfortable, put the full face in and then go in the front crawl. I felt a huge sense of achievement when I did that. I, I still, as I said, I still remember that day so vividly. And it's just, yeah, it's a real achievement to think that you've actually overcome that. And then you tell people what you've been up to and they just think you're completely bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I get that. Um, so you, you've gone from having that very short swim where you felt really panicky to swimming the channel twice. Uh, you know, how do you progress from that? 10 minute swim to what was it 39 hour swim how do you yeah, make that progression my longest swim 39 hours and nine minutes so yeah I guess my childhood ambition was to swim the channel so as I said you gradually build up you go from 10 minutes you go to 15 15 minutes to half an hour half an hour 45 minutes an hour then your next goal is two hours then it's three hours then it's four then you think oh my god I could do my qualifying swim for my channel I'm gonna do six hours I remember when I was training for my channel swim, I was advised to swim around Jersey first. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that because my dream is to swim the channel. If I enjoy it, then I'll swim around Jersey. So as I said, I gradually built up my time in the water and then was going very regular for my sea swims and doing five days a week. Uh, minimum uh, at least three of those days before work for a minimum of an hour an hour and a half in the sea then at the weekends I'd do a big swim so when I say a big swim it would be three four hours and then the next day I'd do very similar again um, and you just keep building it up then kind of the getting in 
getting in and finding it cold. It still happens to me today. That doesn't go away. But your body kind of gets used to it and you know what to expect and you overcome it. And for me, I find it extremely exhilarating um, when I go in the sea. I feel absolute freedom. It's really good for my mental well-being. I escape from everything. I feel like no one can get me when I'm in the water. So, yeah, I went and swam the channel and said, if I enjoy the channel, enjoy the channel, really, <laughs> um, I'll swim around Jersey. And my channel swim, my first channel swim was really tough and it was rough. And I thought it would take me 18 hours and it took me 13 hours and 36 minutes, I think. And maybe the silliest thing well, maybe not the silliest thing I've ever said in my life. I got back on the boat and said that was an anticlimax. I didn't expect I was in France. I didn't expect to land that quickly. I'll have to come back and try again because I'd landed in the dark on rocks. Only next time, maybe I should try and swim back home. Um, <laughs> yeah, so really stupid thing to say, really, isn't it? And I kind of had it in my head that that was my next dream. But... I guess the thing that just kept me going is it's not just about the endurance for me. It is about keeping fit, but it sounds a bit deep, but I just love being in the ocean. And I I love being with the same sort of people that think like that. It's just, I don't know. I just, I just love being in the water. I could swim all day. If I could get paid to swim, I would be worth millions. <laughs> You make the whole open water swimming scene sound absolutely idyllic. Now, clearly it's not all glamour. Are there any downsides to to swimming outdoors or swimming the channel? Yeah, sure, there's loads. Um, it's not the most elegant of sports. Um, it's not very dignified. You have to just, you know... A lot of people think, oh, I want to look like a Baywatch babe if it's a girl or like, I don't know, Hasselhoff if it's a guy or whatever. But the reality is you've just got to put your kit on and get in and swim and just remember it's what you love. So, yeah, it's not um, it's not the most dignified. You're not going to sort of put your makeup on and think you look amazing every time you get in or out the sea. Um, you have the challenges of seasickness to deal with at times. Um, it can be a real head spinner when you're out there and you just don't know what's going to happen to you on that day. Um, yeah, you need lots of support around you. You know, it's not just you on your own. You need a lot of help and support. And when you are training for a massive swim, you know, get up in the morning like I did today. Northeast wind, force five. You've got to get your butt out of bed and you've got to go and swim. There's no excuses to be had. And that isn't pleasant. It's really not nice. Um, but if you want something big and you've got a dream, it doesn't come easy. You've just got to, as I say, my motto, train the brain and live the dream. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of hard things. I mean, you have to give up a lot of things when you do a massive endurance event. I remember on my two-way, my phrase was eat, sleep, work, swim, and not necessarily in that order. Thankfully, I've got a lot of true friends that are really supportive. And they just thought we won't see Wendy this summer. So yeah, you have to you have to give up a you have to give up a lot for the rewards, and you have to really work for it, I guess. But if you love it and it's what you want, you'll find a way of making it happen. 
It is an incredible achievement. Now, you said from your first English Channel solo swim that uh, you, you had to go back and do it again. So what happened uh, after you'd done your first solo? So after my first solo, that was 06. So in 07, I did go around Jersey. And in 08, I uh, did Jersey to France. I thought I'd take 09 out because it was my 40th birthday year and I wanted to, uh, as I said, you have to put a lot on hold. I wanted to party. I wanted to enjoy my 40th, so I had a rest. 2010, I was training to the Catalina Channel and... Um, unexpectedly my marriage broke up so everything was put on pause and then in 2011 I was back in training to swim around Jersey and I was actually going to attempt the coldest round Jersey swim that had ever taken place and Easter I think it was nine point something degrees I did a four-hour training swim um I'd found a lump just before I did that swim I found a lump in my right breast I still did my four-hour training swim I was all fired up ready to do my swim um nobody really knew other than me um and I'd been to see my doctor to then be made to go and see uh, a consultant and very quickly I found out I'd been diagnosed with uh, breast cancer it was grade three so again that year swimming was put on hold and I went through the whole surgery chemo six bouts of chemo I think I had 25 shots of radiotherapy but do you know what kept me going my swimming wow I remember speaking to my oncology doctor and I said to him, take what you want away from me, but don't take swimming away from me. And he paced the floor and said, it's really important to you. I've read your notes. And I said, yeah. And cancer controls people's lives. You've just gone autopilot. You live for your appointments. And cancer kind of takes over. And he said, it's really important for you, isn't it, Wendy? And I went, yeah, cancer can't take over. And he said to me, you can go swim but only in the ocean, not in the pool. I said, that's fine. I can deal with that. That's what I wanted to hear. So he gave me a few criteria, but he never told me how long I could swim for. So I said, you better put a curfew on me because otherwise I'll be at sea all day. <laughs> anyway, he said I was allowed in the sea for up to two hours. And that got me through. I swear to this day, that's what got me through. Absolutely incredible. Now, you've been in remission uh, since that time. Yeah, so that was 2011, and I finished all my treatment in December 2011. And in Jan, and I, I mean, I wasn't really swimming a huge amount in the sea, and you know, I was just like prodding, I was tired, I was on chemo, I was on radio. But in January the 26th, 2012, because as soon as I found out I had cancer, I booked a channel swim. I was like, right, when I'm done with this, I'm going to go and swim the channel again to make sure I'm fit and healthy enough. And if I'm good enough, I'm going to go back the following year and do my double. So on the 26th of January, the doctor gave me the all clear to swim the channel. And on the 25th of June, 2012, so five months later, I swam the channel. It was the earliest channel crossing that year. I crossed the channel in 14 degrees. Yeah. And that took me exactly 15 hours. And then in 2013... 
was the two-way. Um, yeah, that was gruesome. That was <laughs> really, really gruesome. So as I said earlier, eat, sleep, work, swim. Uh, at the weekends, I'd do 10 hours on Saturday, go home, eat, sleep, get up, get back in and do another 10 hours on the Sunday. And that would be pretty much my life. And I sat in Dover and I was told there was a, a squally shower with a 4-6 coming through, which is pretty rough conditions, but it wasn't going to last long. So we went out and after four and a half hours of very rough sea, it hadn't passed through. And my pilot said to me, we want to get you out of the water, Wendy. And I said, oh, I said, it's crap out here. And he said, yeah, it is. He says, we've wanted to get you out since two hours, but we thought we'd let you go for a while. And I said, I can't do a two-way in this. So he said that I could get out and we'd try another day. And the biggest challenge for me then was we had some really good weather on the way, but it was a spring tide, which ordinarily, until a few years ago, you would never swim the channel on a spring tide. Um, it was said that you couldn't do a two-way channel unless you turned in 12 to 14 hours. It was said that you couldn't swim the channel two ways on a spring tide. So the cards were stacked against me. So I spoke with a few close friends with a lot of swimming experience. And I bit the bullet and I went. Now, I had to make a choice that I went and would potentially take another six to ten hours longer than I would have taken. Or train for another year and live and hope that I'd get a decent weather window the following year. So I bit the bullet and went out and made the attempt and my first leg of my two-way was the longest crossing I've ever had at 17 hours and eight minutes. And then I had to turn around and swim home. So I was now in territory that I'd never swum for that long before and I still had to swim home. Uh, the return journey was horrendous. I always saw my first leg as my warm-up. Um, I didn't allow myself any solid foods, but then I don't eat a lot of solids when I swim. And when I turned, um, it was about one in the morning, I think. I had a hot chocolate, sort of like my bedtime drink, as I said. And then at five in the morning, I had a very watered down porridge to start my day. I don't remember much about swimming that night. I went into a bit of a semi-conscious state, which um, Kevin Murphy, the king of the channel, he told me it can happen because it's so repetitive. So I don't remember much about that. And then... We went into daylight, which gave me a pick-me-up. And then at about 28, 30 hours, I had a real wobble. I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. started to feel cold. I wasn't getting the answers I wanted from my team on the boats because I'd started to get taken down the channel rather than across. So it looked like I wasn't going anywhere. Um, I wasn't getting the information I wanted. So in the end, I told them I wanted to get out of the water. So I got some tough love from my crew. As I said, really important people. It's not just about the swimmer. Got some tough love from my crew. Probably went on for a few hours. And then dark started to set in again. And I thought, my God, I've been swimming for nearly two days now. And then I suddenly spam my mojo again. I could see the White Cliffs of Dover getting closer. I could see the lights flashing on the land. And I just got back into my rhythm and got my focus back and found myself back in the place that I love. And that's what got me to the end, really. And, you know, you, the things that went through my head at the start, what makes you think you can swim a two-way channel? Only 24 people in the world have done this. And you think you can go and do this. And 
But then when I got my mojo back at the end, I was like, you know what? I've lived through cancer. This is only short-term pain. I'd be tucked up in my bed in a few hours, just suck it up and get on with it. Because I was not coming back to do that again. That's absolutely epic, Wendy. I just got one question to ask you about that two-way swim. Now, you said you treated the first leg as your warm-up. And you, you have to land or touch the cliffs on the French coast. Yeah. What were your thoughts about the return journey? That's quite a good question, actually, Heather. So um, I never thought of it as two swims. I broke it down as to one swim. So uh, it was just a part of my swim, if that makes sense. So although I said the first leg was my warm up, it was a continuous swim in my head. I didn't try to think about it as I'm turning around to go back because I was always going to swim back to England. That was my focus. That was what was in my head. Um, It wasn't about swimming to France. It was about just that was just like a pit stop, if you like. So when you get to France, you're supposed to clear the water um, so long as you can and it's safe to do so. Otherwise, they'll let you um, just touch rocks if it's dangerous. So I landed at a beach, so I cleared the water. Someone followed me in to make sure that I was safe and I'd cleared the water properly because it was in the middle of the night. And you are allowed up to 10 minutes rest. Um, uh, You need to be back in the water with your shoulders under the water. Uh, But I always said that I wasn't going to hang around and rest. I always said that I had to just get back in and keep swimming because in my head, if you hang around, you've got too, too, too much time to think about it. You might just not turn around. So I never gave myself the option to think about it as a two-way. I never gave myself the option to think about will or won't I turn around because it wasn't really an option for me. I just had to just sort of take a diversion, if you like, when you're on the motorway and get back on the road. Um, And that's how I saw it. So, yeah. Wow. I mean... You swam an absolutely for what thirty nine hours swimming from England to France and France to England again. Now there are, as you say, very few people that have done that, and even fewer that have done three way and four way swims. So is that something you'd ever contemplate? And and what extra mentality is needed to do those sorts of swims? So to answer the first bit, no chance. Um, There was talk and encouragement for me to um, attempt another two-way because there were several people, including some pilots, that said to take me out of the water because I wasn't going to make it. Um, My pilot felt that if I went on a neap tide, I would have probably shaved, as I said earlier, six to eight hours off that swim that I did. It went through my mind for a while, and then I was like, no, not a hope. I'm not doing that again. So... I personally think it takes a great deal of fortitude to uh, get through something like that. I have to say that I think my cancer experience drove me uh, with more determination to do it. Uh, And I just think that if, if anybody wants something bad enough in life and they've got that commitment, they can do it. But you've got to accept from the very outside that you're going to go to some dark places on the journey. But you have to just, I don't know, think of the end goal and know that at the end of it all, you're going to be tucked up in bed at the end of it and you're going to be all right. And you just have to keep a really positive mind about you as well and and absolutely draw on all the supporters that you've got that will help you through. 
I think I think that's absolutely great advice, and and I'm sure every open water swimmer uh, will take that on board. Now, as well as doing your own swims, you you actively support a number of other swimmers in their aspirations and their goals, including myself. So I'm very grateful for all the support you've given me. What advice <laughs> do you give to people wanting to take part in in long distance swims? Um, do your homework. Absolutely, do your homework. Um, don't just think that you should speak to one person and take their advice or do what they tell you um, because there's a lot of people out there. Some will do it um, as their business. Some will do it voluntarily. And I think there's a lot of people that have got a lot of good and sound advice to share. When I set out with my swimming to start with and to this day, a relevant of experience there's still learns to be done. I mean, I've spoken to you, Heather, about learning about cold water, but there's a lot of learns that can be done constantly. And if anyone comes to me to say, Wendy, I want to swim the channel, can you help me? I'll say, I can absolutely help you, but go and speak to, you know, and I'll give a list of names and I'll share phone numbers and I'll share emails because my plan might not work for somebody else. But if you get collective view from people, several people, and then you try certain things, you will find your plan that works for you. So I strongly recommend people do talk to lots of people. There's a lot of people in the swimming family that are prepared to share their experiences and, and support and guidance. And I, I think that's brilliant. Um, and then, yeah, build your plan. Get your network of people. Get your swimmers um, that are... Uh, are like-minded swim with at least one or two other people because never swim alone and make sure you've got people on board that are in tune with what you're setting out to do and that understand the enormity of it but yeah I would just say speak to people talk to people keep in touch with people it's a bit like being in the office really and networking you will work out the people that uh, you're in tune with and that will help you on your journey and if you're having a meltdown don't worry about it because you know what? We all have a meltdown. Every swim I do, I cry before I swim. And that's okay because that's just me. Every swim I do, and I, as you've said, I've done quite a few marathon swims now. Every swim I do, I panic before I get in the water. I settle down. But yeah, just, just talk to people. Share how you're feeling. And between you, you'll you'll know how to come through it. There's always going to be somebody there that will be in tune with what you're experiencing. So just be very open, be very honest and be very clear about what you want to achieve. I can't agree more. We're deep in the middle of a coronavirus lockdown here in the UK. And there are a number of long distance swimmers who have swims booked for this year that that are still hanging in the balance and people are wondering how to train and what to do. Do you have any advice for those people? I mean, coronavirus, we've never we've never experienced anything like this. And I'm sure none of us thought we'd ever experience anything like this in our lives. Um, I know that these swims cost a lot of money and there's a lot of money at stake for people. Yeah. So that's one side of it. And you have to think about your financial ability to potentially lose that money and whether you'll go again. But from a swimming perspective, putting the financials aside, what have you been doing to keep yourself physically fit? I think is a question and how quickly will it take you to get back to that level of fitness? They say a channel swimmer is 90% mental. 
Um, I think if nothing else, what the coronavirus has done as far as swim training is going is really dented people's mental strength. Everyone was, you know, in the pool, training hard, feeling good about where they were at, and then bang, you can't swim. So I think the mental side of it is uh, is a big thing for a lot of people. Now, I've got two spins on this because if you are an experienced swimmer who's done marathon swims before, who's done several marathon swims, who's got swimming in their shoulders, you're probably going to get back on your game a bit quicker than somebody who probably doing their first marathon swim, been swimming like all last winter and now getting in the sea to do their first marathon swim. You haven't had the cold water acclimatisation. It's a really hard one to call. And frankly, I don't think it's one size fits all. I have concerns about what the French and the English authorities are going to permit. And if we're going to put a strain on the NHS, we're not going to want our sport detrimented for that. I'm concerned about social distancing on your boats. And there's been talk about um, having less crew. For me, crew is critical and you will have more than one crew member generally for a number of different reasons. And you'll choose people for specific reasons on your boat. It's really tough. Um, I think if people can swim with the right controls and the right safety in place, the next two to three weeks will really tell you where you're at. And if you think you've got that strength to go back, if it was me, I would be very anxious about getting in and making a channel attempt. That said, when I had my two-way booked, in the February, March, I ended up with uh, cellulitis where I'd had my tumour. And I was taken out the water for six weeks and I was training for a two-way. And I got back in at Easter and I still managed to achieve my two-way. That said, I had many marathon swims under my belt by then. My body was used to open water swimming. It was used to the cold. So it's really hard. And I think there's a lot of things that people need to consider. But I would imagine that a lot of people have been affected mentally. It's a really tough one to call. But I have to say I'm erring on the side of caution for people right now. Yeah. So as someone who is used to setting very challenging goals, uh, do you have any advice you'd give to anyone who aspires to big goals? Go and do it. Go and do it. What's the worst thing that can happen? You don't do it. It's better to try and see if you can fulfil your dream than never try and always wonder why. Train your brain. Live your dream. Discipline yourself. Be very open about your thoughts and your feelings and seek guidance from people. And don't bother doing it unless you are 100% committed. There's no pie in the sky saying, oh, one day I want to do this. You have to put the effort in. If you don't put the effort in, you're not going to get the rewards. That's brilliant advice. Thank you very much, Wendy. You're welcome. Now, we recorded this interview back in May right in the middle of lockdown and just before Wendy announced her latest channel swim which I'll be glad to tell you she's just completed so well done Wendy 
Now, what makes me so impressed with Wendy and many other open water swimmers is the dose of realism that they have and how many have overcome adversity and are still learning about the sport, despite their many accolades and achievements. It can teach us all a lot because the only thing that is really certain at present is that nothing will be the same, whether that's our body, the event, the environment in which we're in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you can join us again for the next episode of Humans in Extremes. This episode was created, presented and produced by Dr Heather Massey with production assistance from Tom Langston. The music used in this episode was District 4 by Kevin McLeod. All copyright information can be found in the show notes.